0: Happy Father's Day to the fathers in here. Thank you. I love being a dad. You can ask my poor kids. And you grow in that. And um, your kids and your wife, they definitely have grace for you. But it is um, to be able to do something. And to have the heart, start getting the heart of our Heavenly Father. It's just like absolute joy. It's like swimming in it. And um, I know what a screw-up I am. But thank God for His grace. You know? Because, you know, it used to be when I was a younger Christian, especially dealing with situations of... My own kids, it would always come back on me, it felt like. it's like, what am I doing wrong? And I remember there was this um, beautiful story that I heard not too long ago about Corey Ten Boom. I don't know if you guys had heard about her. Um, wonderful woman. And she had this uh, phrase called, uh, Kiss, keep it simple, stupid. And one of the things that she talked about was that Whenever the enemy would come, it would be like the enemy coming to the door of her house and knocking on it. And then on the other side of it was the enemy knocking and asking, what are you going to do about this problem? What are you going to do? And he just keeps banging on it louder and louder. And Corey, in her wisdom, walking with the Lord for so long and the power that she knew she had in the Lord, she said, I would not answer that door. I'd say, Jesus, I cannot answer that door, but you can. And so he would, and then <laughs> the Satan would leave. Please don't make mistake of thinking that you can do this by yourself in this life. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. He is in us. Not so we can try harder, like Seth was talking about. Or be just a little bit better than the Mormons. Or whomever's out there. Not to attack them, but you guys, you know my heart on that. It's silliness. Christ is being formed in us. The hope of glory. So, on Mother's Day, I preached an excellent message. If you guys remember, it was called Eternal Judgment. So, I'm an equal opportunity, I don't know what. But this message for Father's Day is deliverance from this present evil age. So. And we do, we need deliverance from it. We have been delivered, we have been transferred. We still have to contend it. we are in this world. And you think about when Jesus, when he died and he redeemed us. And by his blood, he took all our sins away. And when he rose again on the third day, it said that he absolutely administered an absolute defeat to Satan. And he took the keys of hell and death. Okay, he took both of those. And uh, Satan, as we know, received that mortal wound to his head. And right then and there, I think, and you know, this is just something of my own heart. Check it yourself. Um, He could have ended it all right there. But now he has us, his children, having to walk through these things. Because we're going to rule and reign with him. Just as he overcame, he wants us to overcome too. And he took us off of the scrap heap. And now we are children of God. So in this present age, though, there's going to be a lot of issues that we need to kind of deal with. And I'm going to kind of jump around with some scriptures. So please be patient with me as we go through this um, in the Greek. We look at the that cosmos and aeon are very closely related. Uh, Cosmos having to do with this world, in particular this world system. Aeon having to do with age as a particular time period. And that's what we're going to be kind of focusing on right now. Uh, Where are we in the age? And we know there's been several ages already. Um, The time when God, through Jesus, created the heavens and the earth, in that time when he had everything in perfection in Eden, when he walked in the cool of the evening with Adam and Eve, the rulers of this planet, and the fellowship that they enjoyed during that small age. It almost hurts to say that because look what we lost. But don't worry, we're going to gain it back. It still hurts, though. It hurts to say it. But... So when that age ended, sin came in, death came in as well. And that age that lasted from the time that Adam sinned until Noah and his flood came, uh, I don't know how many thousands of years later that was, around probably 2,000 is my guess, um, God had to destroy the world. It had gotten to the point where it was just so corrupt in that age, like all the thoughts and imaginations of men and women were just violent, cruel. And there were other things that were going on. I'm not going to touch on that right now. But that age ended. And then a new age began several hundred years later after the flood, when God chose Abraham. Uh, Abraham did not choose him. I know there's some stories out there. Some rabbinical things about Abraham smashing his father's idols while he lived out in the land of Ur. Uh, I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. In uh, Joshua, actually, when he was going back over the history of the Jewish people, he said, your father, or our father Abraham, lived on the other side of the river. And he worshipped idols. God chose him. God was beginning something new in that age with Abraham, the age of faith where they begin to put their trust in Him through the patriarchs. I know it's such it's a terrible word to say right now, but I will say it, patriarch, patriarch, patriarch. And uh, our Father is the Father of fathers, and He is the Father of lights. And He does not change for anyone or any age or any other philosophy. He is forever our Father. So make your stand there too, guys. And then the law came. The law came through Moses. Such a humble man. And he wrote of himself that he was the most humble man on the earth during that time. That's through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But he was. And we know that part of what the law was during that age, that next, I guess, 1500 years, was a way of training this nation, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, to learn to walk with God and to set them par- themselves apart from the rest of the, the pagan nations, that they would be a kingdom of priests, and kings, prophets, leading the way to God. And we know that during that time, though, that as we know with the law, the law was there as a guide. It was there as a tutor to bring them during that time. It was not the Messiah. Because we know that under the law, under the law, no man can ever be righteous before God. It's impossible. It's there as a wonderful diagnostic, diagnostic tool to point out what issues are inside of you. Like with Paul, he said he would have never known what covetousness would have been unless there was a law about it. But the thing is, the more you struggle to fight against these particular sins, the wonderful thing, kind of the scary thing about the law is the, the more you're going to lose. The more you try, it's like quicksand, the more you're going to sink into it. God had to bring these people to the end of themselves. And so the new age began, though. The dawning of the age of the Son began with Jesus Christ. And the law and the prophets both pointed to him, the Lamb of God, who's going to take away the sins of the world. God is going to tabernacle now inside of us. He's not going to be on a mountain somewhere now. Praise God, He was in the past. Or inside of a temple, but He's going to be inside of the human temple now. How can this be with all our problems and all the things that are wrong with us? Yet He said, I will dwell with you, inside of you, and I will make my home in you. He made us worthy. Don't ever feel like we are unworthy of that. The enemy would want you to believe that. God's truth triumphs over that. We are worthy. So the ages that we just kind of briefly went through, and there's another one that will be coming up. I Hopefully I'll hit it at the end. Um, if we could go ahead and turn to Galatians 1. Galatians 1, starting with verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And that's one of the things I wanted to call your attention to, is that I know one of the things that Christians get kind of picked on, and we kind of sit back and I don't know what to say or to do about it. It's like, well, if God, your God is so good, then why is there so much evil in this world? You know, or the other idiotic question is, like, if God is so great, can he make a rock so big he can't pick it up? I hate that question. They're like, yeah, he would drop it right on your head, too. <laughs> God loves the pagans, too. He does. But, as we see here, we live in an evil age. And everything in this age, whether it's mass communications and the entertainment industry, education, government, whatever it is, okay, all points towards that we live in an evil age. And why is it evil? It's ruled by an evil God. Satan. He is the God, little g, of this age, who has blinded the minds of people throughout the world through his deceptions. That's what he does. He is the father of what? Lies. And Jesus exposed him mightily. He said, when he speaks, he speaks his native tongue. There's no truth in him. But he'll mix some of that truth in there, though, to make it sound yeah, a little good. And one of the big lies that he tells us in this age is basically deep down inside, you're a good person. If you just try a little bit Harder. A little bit better than that person over there or that one over there. Because that all inflames that pride within us, the flesh. That's what it does. The flesh loves that kind of stuff, that evil competition. But he is the God of this age. He is. That's why, little ones, you see so much badness and craziness that's going on right now. And one of the reasons why you see an increase in this, a lot of it you see manifesting in stress, even little ones right now. I've met so many who are just like, they're not even teenagers yet, dealing with threat with wanting to harm themselves or commit suicide. This is unheard of. And part of the reason why it's an evil age becoming even more evil God's not going to restore this age. He's going to finish this age with the coming of His Son. The age of the Son is coming. But we still have a job to do in this age. We are in the world, but we are not of it. You still have to get up and work, Christians. You still have to have a job. You still have to do things. If you're a doctor, keep being a doctor or a nurse or a teacher or a truck driver or whatever it is. Keep doing that to the glory of God. Amen. You're there for a reason. It's not a little thing. It's part of your training. You guys doing all right? Turn to Hebrews nine, nine, verse twenty-six. Let's start with 24. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not that he should suffer, not that he should, excuse me, not should he they should offer himself often as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood of another. He then would have to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once, at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And this right here, as we see, is part of that consummation uh, at the end of the age. is the bringing together of all things for God's purposes forever. And everything is going to be summed up in his Son, Jesus. Everything. Everything that you're going through. And part of hearing the voice of the Lord and understanding what's going on in your life is to be able to tell the difference between when you're going through a hard time, whether that's the Lord pruning you because He wants more fruit in your life. Okay? Hopefully it's not as what Peter says, you're doing stupid and evil things and you're getting punished for those things. Okay? That's part of Suffering as well, but we don't want that type of suffering. And we also know that Peter talked about that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Give me. Some water. Pardon me. And Peter talked about that. We have to go through many tribulations, and to enter into the kingdom of God and it's for the testing of our own soul that is much more precious than gold and it is and you think about these things that as God disciplines us and he continues to guide us and sometimes we don't understand but we begin to have that understanding that he's doing this for our benefit you know when my kids were much smaller um, and you know I'd told them to do something, they didn't do it, there's a consequence for that. And they didn't understand. They just felt like, you know, a pop on the butt or something like that. And I was like why, you know, why am I being punished for these things? You know, they didn't really have a grasp of that. But as they grew and matured, they began to understand, it's like, well, I need to obey when Dad's saying something to me or when Mom's saying something to me. I need to obey right away, first time. And then... There's a maturing process that goes that not only do you understand what's going on, but also you've gone from a point of, well, I'm just going to do this because I want to do it. You want to start doing good. You want to start pleasing the heart of your mother or the heart of your father. Because that's what a lot of the relationship should be like. That turning towards the heart right there, the maturing. And it's the same way with, with our father in heaven as well. You know, in the beginning when we got, we went through trials and tribulations, we'd be like a squallon baby. Just like, oh my God, get me out of this, you know. What have I doing? You know, and it's like it wasn't that big of a deal, but at the time it was painful. But God walked us through it, and hopefully we learned the lesson. You know, it was like that one saying, is like we don't really, uh, in this time and age, we don't really fail God's tests, but we do get to take them over. Okay. And it is funny. It's like thank God we get to take him over. But let's become wise and pass it the first time and recognize it for what it is. Amen. Yeah. All right. So this present evil age is coming to an end. And I say thank God. You know, I know there is so much in Especially science fiction and an in entertainment industry that would, and in philosophy too, that we are gradually just, you know, after billions of years, you know, crawling out of the, the green muck that got struck by lightning and whatever, billions of years ago, we're just keep moving towards this, whatever it is, this godhood state that we're going to make eventually, some billions of years in the future. But that's an absolute lie. It is. It is absolute folly. And Satan knows that as long as this age continues, he's still the God of it. But he also knows that time is running out for him. And one of the wonderful things about that is his time is almost running out. But the other terrible thing about it is that we know that, um, if you guys are a student of history, that when things are coming to an end, that's usually when the enemy can become much more vicious and put the pressure on. And we're going to learn during this age that we cannot rely on ourselves and our cleverness and old programs. And no matter how great things were in the past, this is a new day for us as well. We can always learn from the things in the Old Testament and the New, and the things that happened in the 60s or in the 70s and stuff like that. But one of the things I've found in my own life, just like in the story with on the road to Emmaus with the two disciples, is like they didn't recognize him. He came in a form that they did not recognize. Until when? Yeah, until he broke the bread, until they had communion together. And I believe that in our own lives. He's not always going to come the same way. If we sing these three songs and do this and that, then the, the Lord will come. He's going to come in a different way. And we should always not try to put God in a box. I know it's such an old saying. But please, destroy the box. No matter how good that box was at one time, we've got to move on. He is doing something new in us. We should be thankful for the past. We should be thankful for our grandparents and our parents and the things that we've learned along the way. But we need to move forward, though, not be captive to the past. So one of the things also that we need to look at is that if you are living as if this is the only life that you've got, you are in deception. That's one of the hallmarks of the end of the age. When his disciples asked Jesus that. Deception is rampant right now. Where people can't even figure out which bathroom they belong to. How dark has it gotten? His light is coming and His glory is coming on His people, though. Don't despair. One of the other wonderful things that I think about too is that not only we are waiting for this age to end, but all of creation is groaning the horror that creation had to go through when sin was introduced. It's not just about us, it's about all of creation. And I think about just like from the beginning when God in his love spoke and all these animals begin to come out of the ground and begin to fly and begin to swim. And the relationship that we had with animals back then. Oh my gosh, you sound like you're new age. I was like, no, that's part of who we are <laughs> And you think about all the animals that have gone extinct. they are not here anymore because of sin. Because of us. I don't want that to continue on. I want the new creation where we get these things back. There's nothing wrong with loving His creation and being thankful for it. Hopefully a lot of people who are absolute heathen or pagan, creation will turn them to God. You wonder who made all this instead of worshiping the rocks or a dolphin or whatever. Creation gets to start over. Imagine that. You don't have to worry about some animal attacking you anymore. Anyway. One of the saddest scriptures, um, the 2nd Timothy, you don't have to turn there, it's 4 9 through 10, where it talked about Demas. And he was a fell servant along with Paul. And I'm guessing it was during this time that it was pretty much a downside during Paul's career as an apostle. A lot of people were abandoning him, his health probably wasn't doing so well. And there's Demas, who had been working alongside of him all this time, getting so close to the finish line. And what does he do? He said, Demas has forsaken me because he loved this present age. And please do not tell me that this age or this world system is not seductive, that it does not have a pull on you. It does. But we have to love one greater than that. And don't try to mix the two together, thinking, well, if I have a little of this, wink, wink, you can handle that hot shot for a little while. Sin's going to crush you, though. Do not. Am I saying you can't go on a vacation or enjoy a movie or to have a steak or any of those things? No. You're not little children anymore. You can enjoy those things. John the Baptist, he fasted and then he didn't drink wine. What about the Son of Man? What did he do? He came drinking wine and eating. And they said he was a glutton and a drunk. Who cares what the world says? But, as we were exhorted today by Caleb, don't give up. Have that spirit that he's got, a fighter. Remember we talked about Caleb and Joshua not too long ago. He was ready for the fight. Just as much as when he was a young man and when he was an old man. And he transferred that down to his kids. Look at his daughter, how bold she was. Go read it yourself. Have that spirit inside of you, the one that believes in the living God. Kind of wrapping things up here. I had a weird dream last night. And the Lord, that's usually how He kind of speaks to me because I can have a tendency, not so much um, as it was when I was younger, but to get really distracted. So at nighttime, He's usually got my attention and in that dream i was with becky and we were walking around um at this big giant church i said wow this place is awesome i mean it's just beautiful the way they did it the architecture packed full of people and i remember we went in there and i was walking around and i remember it was just like it was just everything about it was very captivating Excuse me. And, um, the, but the more I looked, it's just like, it just became, it just seemed to me like it was very, it was like, it was almost like Disney World. It started becoming like that very, I mean, there were even like circles on the ground, like social distancing, you know, between these lines. And I was like, this is, this is kind of a weird place. And I remember looking at another portion of the church because it was gigantic. And I remember thinking, I was like, is that a roller coaster over there? I was like, wow, this place is really, uh, they got a lot of stuff going on here. <laughs> and I remember, like, I, I went over, someone called me said, hey, why don't you go check out our, our children's service? And I remember it was so organized and so just thus and such. They had, like, brand new clothes for the kids so they all could be in uniforms. And they had, like, brand new uniforms for all the, the workers, for the children. I was like, man... This is intense. I've never been in a place like this before. But there was something that was just in my spirit, even in the dream, that was just like, there's something just, I don't know what it is, it's hinky, I don't like it here. Something weird. And I remember I woke up, and I was like, Lord, it's like, what is going on here? What does this mean, you know? And I don't want to appear like I'm attacking anyone. I'm not, okay? I'm not saying this about anyone's ministry, because I think that's stupid. But the Lord, what He said to me, is like, don't exchange my presence for programs. And it's like, okay, I could probably do a sermon on that later on. There's nothing wrong with programs. I'm not saying there isn't. Just hear my heart on this, guys. And I think most of you have. We can't go back to the way things were. He's going to do something now. And He is doing something now. And He will continue to do something now. Well, that's one of the things that this present age surely has such a hold on is entertainment, us constantly having to have diversions and things and sounds and those sparkly gizmos and things that just captivate our attention. Is there things, there's nothing wrong with those things? But there can be something very deadly with those things, though. And you need to be asking the Lord, should I be watching these things? Should I be listening to this? He cares about those things. And I tell you, it's like no one has more fun than my family when we go on vacation. Nobody does. There's a joy in that, though. Because the Lord always brings it back to me. It's like, it's just a shadow of what it's going to be like when we're together. It's just a shadow of what it's going to be like when you finally get to meet all those people in heaven who are eagerly waiting for you, who know you intimately. Intimately. And it just feeds into that joy. Because our mind should be steadfast thinking about those things that are in heavenly places. Thinking about the kingdom that's coming. It is coming. And it's going to be a reign without end. He is coming back. You guys turn to Psalm 27. And we'll wrap this up. Psalm 27. Psalm 27, starting with verse 6. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said... Seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, will I seek. Do not hide your face from me, do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help, do not leave or forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. And as we've continued on, teaching about hearing His voice, distinguishing it from the other voices that are out there, the ones that are in competition with the Lord, this week, seek His face. Seek it. Not just hear His voice, but seek His face. You guys heard so many voices today giving praise to God. Seek His face as well. It's beautiful beyond all comprehension. We don't have to be like Moses who couldn't see His face. We can see His face. We can become more and more like Him. So, I'm going to ask something a little bit unusual. I hope you won't mind. Phil, if I can have your wife... Come here and just pray for the fathers and give a blessing if that's okay. I think you said it's okay. All right.
1: <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father. We are so blessed to be your children, to have the privilege of calling you Father, and all that that means, which I admit is far beyond my comprehension, and yet, I am so thankful that I have felt and continue to feel the loving surrounding care that you give to us as your children and father I want to lift up each father that's here some are even grandfathers and great-grandfathers right now but it started out being fathers I pray that by your Holy Spirit you would instill in each of them your character your fatherhood so that they can be examples of that to their children, their grandchildren and, and someday great grandchildren, if you tarry. Because we we know, Lord, that that fatherhood is foundational in our existence on this in this world, this cosmos. Because it all started with you speaking your word of life, breathing life into Adam and and communing with Adam and Eve in the garden. And then it it has filtered down into all of creation. So Lord, I pray that you would give all these Fathers and potential fathers, Lord, we have some young men here who, by your grace, will one day be fathers. That they would have your character be able to share the, your fatherhood with, with others. And Lord, your word says that you are a father to the fatherless. I know I've lost my earthly father, and I'm so, I just rejoice that he's with you. He's, many of us have fathers who have joined that great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on. We're so blessed by that, Lord. And there's something so special about that role as father. Empower them by your Holy Spirit. Encourage them, Lord. And we pray that you would bless them and keep them. That you would make your face to shine upon them. And be gracious unto them, Lord. Lord, that you would lift up your countenance upon each father here. And give him your peace in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Please go do so. Um, The elders would hang out if you guys need ministry. Come up quietly. Um, Daniel and Seth, do you guys need to get going? you guys hang out for a little bit in case from ministry stuff yes all right good well guys thank you and uh happy father's day and it was a pleasure sharing the word with you guys take care